Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this episode of the show about the show. This is episode 35. Today, just like every day, is Rusev Day, so a happy Rusev Day to you all. I have one of my absolute all-time favorite guests on this show. He is a world-famous artist and a giant baseball fan, to say the very least. He has agreed to come on and talk everything baseball, art, paintings, whatnot, for the next 45 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Greg Kreindler, thank you very much for coming on today, Greg. How you doing? Not too bad, Devlin. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Let's have a little bit... Thank no, thank you for coming on. I'm very excited. So you're a you're a painter and an illustrator. Um you're kind of you grew up in Rockland County, New York, and your relationship with baseball began at a very early age. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah. Um well basically like most I guess kids uh who get into baseball it kind of starts with their parents in some way. And it did so with me. Uh, I kind of got into the game because of my father, who uh, was and still is a a very big uh, Yankee fan. And uh, my, as a result, my brother, uh, my older brother also was a Yankee fan. And then I became a Yankee fan. And uh, my mother, who uh, was actually a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, uh, I have no idea how they got together to this date because of that. Um, <laughs> somehow, you know, we we would all like go to games together. Not 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 like super regularly, but a couple times a year we would we would go to a game, and it was True. just kind of through that that I got into the sport. You know, I did little league, um, and my father had a, a baseball card collection, which. I guess, played a big role in, in what it is that I do now. Uh, and that, that's kind of, that's kind of like the bare bones of it. Um, it, uh, my, my life as a, as a kid, as like a, you know, a seven, eight year old or whatever, is just very much filled with baseball. And you kind of became fascinated with your family's history with the sport and you, and you say that, and you correctly say that no other sport embodies the relationship between generations and the sense of community like baseball. What do you think it is, Greg, that that ties so many people back to those memories of growing up? Whether it's something like Field of Dreams, like just having a catch with your dad, or like you, you know, your dad's baseball collection, baseball card collection, and your mom going to games. What do you think it is about baseball and family that kind of goes together? That's a great question. Um, 
you know what? I, I don't really know. It's I can kind of guess. Uh, I mean, the fact that the fact that you don't really need much to play uh, really helps. I think uh, you know you basically you need a bat and a ball, um, and you know a bat doesn't have to be a bat that a major leaguer uses. A ball uh, doesn't have to be a, a ball that a major leaguer uses. Uh, you don't necessarily need to have a glove. Um, I just think you know it's it's a very uh, it's a very portable game. You know, it's not it's not like it's not like hockey. It's not like football. It doesn't require uh, a large investment, uh, financially speaking. Uh, so I think that kind of makes it a bit easier to play uh, than some of those other sports. Uh, but I, you know, I just the way that it kind of grabs hold of of the country and, and did grab hold of the country. I I don't know. I, it's like I don't I don't really know exactly like what the X factor was, but it just it kind of it kind of feels like it hasn't really it hasn't really changed. You know, like it's still you still think of the game in in those same terms, even though. Uh, even though you know, almost 200 years later, from I guess it's one of its origin points, it's 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 a very different game. But at the same time, it's still very much the same. It's uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm making much sense. What I'm saying, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's just it's such a it's such an interesting game in that in that sense. It doesn't really you don't really get that kind of feeling that that sense with the other sports even though even though those other sports are just as you know storied and 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 historical it's just different with baseball i guess i agree and you know i think i think a couple factors play into it and what you said there was absolutely correct i think i think one thing too uh a couple factors to play in is one I think the fact that it's played in the spring and the summer is really helpful because it allows more kids to get involved in the game. Um, you know, obviously, you're, spring and summer, they're starting to get done with school and they're looking forward to the summer, and a lot of kids have the summer off, so they can go to baseball games. They can do those kind of things, and they can be outside and and all that kind of stuff. And then I think I think another thing, too, about it is baseball allows us, because of the fact that it doesn't have a clock, you're not racing against the clock. There's no, there's no putting up the last shot or throwing a hail mary or, or whatever, right. or no shootout. You can allow yourself over the course of a three-hour game to become emotionally invested in it, to have a conversation Absolutely. with the person sitting next to you, to be able right. to reminisce about that play that you saw, you know, two years ago or five years ago, or, or you know, that player that you you always remember. I think that's that's partly what helps bridge that gap between generations and like you said in that quote you know between the generations and the sense of community like baseball yeah yeah i, I agree I, I think you're totally right and it's interesting because you're not you're not up against the clock and i think people there are some people who think that that kind of makes baseball boring but you know some of that that tension that builds between pitches it's like there's there's nothing like that you know it's it's, it's the most exciting absolutely. sport that you could ever watch or, or be a part of absolutely and, and you know the, like you said you know that moment in between a pitch 
and the time the batter hits it or swings. I mean, it's just as exciting as a heavyweight boxing fight or a Hail Mary or anything. I mean, to me, I still think a walk-off home run or a walk-off hit is the most exciting thing in sports, to me. I mean, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's definitely right up there. I mean, uh, there's there's a certain amount of, of I don't know if pomp and, cir- and circumstance is the right phrase, but... Uh, <laughs> There, there's, yeah. there's something very Wrong. theatrical about it. Yeah, yes. right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now you're, uh, you've actually won a lot of awards um, for your, for your work. I'm not going to list all of them because this is only a 45 minute episode. <laughs> but some, of them, <laughs> some of them include the Norman Rockwell Museum Award. Now that had to have been pretty cool. You know, Norman Rockwell for me is Americana, and especially with his baseball scenes, you know, you got the umpires in the rain and so many other things. What right. was it like, you know, being being an artist of the national pastime and then getting an award from somebody whose work is so, um, you know, in, in touch with America and is kind of considered Americana and the game that you draw about is too. What was that like to get that Norman Rockwell Museum Award? Uh, that was, that was pretty special. It, it actually, it happened, uh, wow, happened a long time ago now, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> it, it was kind of right in my last year of college and, uh, it, it was, uh, I can't remember if it was for a student show or if it was for a professional show at the, at the Society of Illustrators, but, uh, it was, it was just amazing nonetheless because Rockwell has kind of always been a hero of mine. Um, you know, like, like you said, I mean, he, there's, there's not much, uh, there's not anything that seems more quote unquote American than, than Norman Rockwell. And, and right. aside from the, the sentiment that he's able to kind of create with his artwork, I think just kind of technically speaking, the kind of painter that he was, the way he would, uh, compose and design a picture, his ability to tell stories. Like he, he was, he was second to none. He was just an absolute God. So I, I kind of, yeah, I was, you know, absolutely uh, just back that, that, that they gave me that award. I, I kind of thought it was a mistake because <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, who am I? Right. Uh, I'm not even, right. you know, I shouldn't be mentioning the same breath as this guy and I guess I really wasn't but uh, it was uh, it was just a really amazing feeling and just kind of like a highlight that uh, that I can come back to and, and always you know bring a smile to my face with absolutely so in addition to the Norman Rockwell Museum Award you've also won the Illustration Academy Award from the Society of Illustrators You've been featured in nationally distributed books, newspapers, and magazines, as well as the New York Times, FoxNews.com, the Wall Street Journal, the Sporting News, and the Yes Network. You also have original works, and we were talking about this before um, the podcast started. You have you have original works in the Yogi Berra Museum, and you had one in the Bob Feller Museum, as well as the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Talk about how great right. that is. Uh, all of those, uh, all of those, uh, those paintings and, and those kind of like, 
events were incredibly, incredibly cool. I mean, especially the uh, the Yogi Berra and the Bob Feller stuff, because I actually got to meet uh, both Yogi and, and Bob, uh, obviously, before they passed away. Um, the, it was like the first the first one that I think the first museum that I had gotten into was the Bob Feller one. And I had, you know, worked on the painting over the course of uh, a couple months. And I think I, I, I spend a lot of time, uh, I spend a lot of time researching my subjects and, and I get really, you know, anal with getting things kind of historically accurate, you know, whether that's, you know, not only the look of like a player and the uniform that he's wearing, but also the look of the ballpark and like the time of day that, uh, you know, the particular, uh, the particular moment is happening, uh, you know, what the quality of light was, what the weather's like, like all that stuff. I try to really get perfect and as true to life as possible. So I did that with, with this painting for the Feller Museum and, I eventually, you know, I got to meet Bob. It was uh, the summer of 2009, just a few years before he passed. And um, it was kind of, it was at the, the National Sports Collectors Convention in uh, in Cleveland. And I'm taken behind like this tarp where my painting is kind of set up on an easel. And people are kind of getting ready, like athletes are getting ready to kind of sign autographs to the masses. And Bob comes in and he looks at the painting and he's just kind of he's staring at it, and he uh, he's not saying anything. And I'm like, oh my god, does he hate it? He hates it. This is awful. You know, this is a huge mistake. And he eventually, <laughs> like, comes out of his uh, you know his silence, saying, um, "Well, that's." Uh, uh, and he kind of stumbles a little bit. Uh, that's the best damn painting I've ever seen. And I'm like, oh my god. And I, I you know, I, I basically was kind of like jumping for joy in my heart at that point. But he said Absolutely. that uh, he said that like I had gotten everything about it right, and that you know that it felt like that day. Like he was actually transported back to that day. He told me. And, you know, it, it was it was like this cold, overcast day. Uh, the painting was of him throwing his uh, his opening day no-hitter in uh, 1940 yeah. in uh, Chicago. And uh, it was this cold day at Comiskey Park, and not many people were there. And, and, and he's like, yeah, this is it. This is the day. This is what it felt like. It was really cold. And he's kind of like going over each and every detail of the game, you know, kind of like he – just experienced it the day before because he was just so whip smart and quick and the fact that he thought that I nailed it I I, I mean I, I still to this day you know I think about that and I'm like oh my god I can't believe that I can't believe that he responded so positively to it it was just it was just amazing now, I, I'd be really interested to hear what Yogi thought about the painting you did of him because you know Yogi's known for his Yogiisms and I want to hear that story. Can you share that with us? Sure. It, I unfortunately, it's not as exciting. Um, I, I basically, I had gone to the museum and uh, and presented the painting, and and he uh, he was there with the uh, uh, the director of the museum at the time, uh, David Kaplan, and. Uh, 
kind of presented the painting to him and we posed for a few photographs and Yogi, you know, he looked at the painting and he seemed to like it, but he didn't, he didn't make too many remarks. He was a very, I don't know, a very quiet kind of guy. He seemed very reserved. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if he's normally like that or, or, you know, whether, whether he's like that with some people or, uh, or maybe he just didn't feel like, you know, I guess becoming that, that yogi persona or whatever, but, uh, it was, uh, it was just kind of cool to, to see him in that way. And I guess such a, a different way that everybody is so used to seeing him, you know, cause I guess, I guess when you think of him, you really do think of, of all of those great yogi quotes and you think of him as a baseball player and, and to me, it was just kind of like he was just this older gentleman who was, you know, really sweet and quiet and and grateful. And that was, you know, it was touching. It was it was not really what I expected from him, but still very touching. That's that's a great great moment. And you know, one of the other one of the other things that you've been uh, one of the other awards that you've gotten is you're in the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. Now, you know, I, I have to think that um, you know probably probably being in the Hall of Fame for your um, for your ethnicity or religion or whatever you want to say is probably got to be the biggest thrill for you. On top, even you know more so than being in the Bob Feller and Yogi Bear Museum. Yeah, I mean that was that was really amazing too. Uh I mean the the museum itself uh you know focused on basically Jewish athletes uh throughout history. And uh I don't know if this was uh, if it was a painting that they uh if that they bought because they were putting together a show or whether it was for their their uh you know their their private or public collection or permanent collection or, or whatever. But uh, the guy who who purchased it, who worked at the museum, I think he was the director at the time. Uh, he was also just really into my work, which I, you know, I was really appreciative of. And, and he, he had purchased, it was a, uh, it was a painting of Sandy Koufax. It was actually one that I uh, posted on the, uh, uh, on Facebook and, and Twitter, uh, maybe a day or two ago. Oh, it was actually yesterday. It was yesterday. It was uh, it was his third career no hitter, uh, one against the uh, Phillies uh, from 1964, and it's this painting of him in front of uh, this lit scoreboard, and you see kind of all these glowing lights yep. behind him, uh, and you know the guy fell in love with the piece and. Uh, and purchased it for the museum. Um, but I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he owns it anymore. I don't think the museum owns it anymore because I think they actually sold off a number of their assets for one reason or another. Uh, but either way, um, you know, just being in there, even if it was just kind of like a temporary thing was, uh, was, uh, pretty awesome. Now, one of the hardest things I would imagine about being an artist is taking taking a picture that was black and white and painting a color picture, painting a color um, painting of it. 
can you talk about how you go from taking a black and white photo into the color and making it come alive the way that the way that the way the way that your fans get to see it? Uh yeah, well it's 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 hard. Uh it's it basically there's no there was no roadmap that I followed uh to do things I guess the way that I do them now. Um and I you know whether whether I do them right or wrong I don't know, but uh I basically when I was in school, when I was at uh, uh in college, the School of Visual Arts, I spent a lot of time working uh on, you know, paintings of like models from from life. Uh, so I was kind of observing. I was observing everything that way. I was kind of painting models from life and and painting uh, landscapes and just kind of observing nature and trying to really pay attention to what I guess nature and what light did to things like color and value, how it affected. Uh, how it affected those things and how I could kind of manipulate that uh, and, and try to pull off, you know, certain illusions in my paintings. And back then it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing it because I was going to be this, this guy who was focusing on, you know, baseball art. I was basically just, I was learning, you know, I was, this is kind of like what I thought I had to do or what I was supposed to do to do, uh, to do good paintings of, of whatever kind of, uh, whatever, I guess, subject matter I was going to tackle. Because at the time, I still, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I, I wasn't, I wasn't gunning to be this guy who was just painting baseball-related stuff. Um, so when I discovered the baseball stuff, or rediscovered it, I guess in my case, I. I guess I just got really into the idea of painting not only players from uh, from the history of the game, but kind of trying to bring them to life and put them in color because, you know, it kind of occurred to me that most of the people at that point, this is, uh, you know, this is the very early 2000s, most of the people who had seen Babe Ruth play in person were probably pretty old or maybe not even alive. So seeing him or seeing like Lou Gehrig uh, in color, you know, seeing them in the flesh was, was just this idea that really appealed to me. And I kind of took it and, and ran with it, I guess. And, I tried to kind of take what I learned in school about, you know, painting from life and observing nature and observing light and color. And, and I tried to kind of, you know, imbue that into the work that I was doing, you know, with these baseball guys. And it's still, you know, it's still kind of like an ongoing process where I'm learning new things with each painting or I'm learning new things as I observe more or if I, go to museums and I get to see other people's work and how they handle kind of similar motifs. It's, uh, it's just always a learning process. And when you, when you talk about, when you talk about bringing those things to life, you, you're kind of a visual historian, aren't you? 
Yeah, I, I try to be. Uh, yeah, very much. It's it's just try- like I think. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, just you know, being a visual historian, kind of recreating history that you know you may not have experienced, but other people have, or that they can maintain a, a connection with things like that. Um, that people who, like you said, may not have been around to see, or may have been around to see Babe Ruth, who aren't alive anymore, you know, they can they can see the they can see that picture and go, that's what it was like, or, or right. oh, yeah, that's what Mickey Mantle looked like when he swung a bat. Right. Yeah, Th- that that to me was just super important, still is super important. And I, I try not to, I try not to kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know what the phrase is. I, I try not to glorify these guys. Um, you know, like I, I, I try not like I just try to I try to portray them you know as they were and I I don't really uh, I don't really try to make them seem you know ultra heroic or or, or anything like that it's just I, I try to act like a like a, a reporter in that sense you know like here's Absolutely. here's what it looked like this is this is what happened um, and same with even like the subject matter you know if I'm painting. Uh, I'd gotten questions a few times uh, before about painting people like Ty Cobb or Cap Anson, you know, because they were, uh, you know, known racists or supposed racists. And, you know, did I ever have any problems with with painting those guys or anything like that? And I, I would say that I just I, I put those kind of personal opinions and notions aside and I just try to report, you know, I kind of say this is what it was this is what happened this is who these people were and you know you leave the rest up to the audience absolutely and and one of the things that i think makes your painting so popular is that you get the small things right the de- your attention to detail is unlike unlike anybody else i think currently in the country that does what you do in terms of Baseball park advertise. <laughs> You're welcome. In terms of ballpark advertisements or style of the uniform, or like you mentioned earlier, weather conditions. You know, you mentioned Bob Feller saying, "Yeah, it was an overcast day." What about what is it about the little details like that, or maybe you know, faces in the crowd, or uh, somebody putting putting their hands up in the crowd and cheering? What is it about details like that that? that bring your portrait to life kind of more so than the subject, maybe, maybe the small details. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's just, I think I've just kind of always been attracted to, uh, you know, forgive the, forgive the phrase, but you know, painting the full picture, you know, and I, I, I really, I really think that when I'm, when I'm painting these guys, that, it's it's important to put them you know in their proper historical context. Um, I remember, like I, I did a painting for a client of, uh, of Lou Gehrig, and it was, uh, it was a painting of him hitting his uh, his last career home run, and it was at Yankee Stadium, and the uh, image was kind of from behind home plate, so you could see the outfield, and. <clears throat> 
uh, in the outfield, uh, in the stands, you know, you could see uh, people, you know, in the crowd. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a, a sparsely attended game. Uh, it was late in the season. It was against uh, the Senators. And by that time, the Yankees had already clinched the pennant. So, you know, there wasn't necessarily a huge reason for it to be a crowded game, especially when you're playing someone like the Senators. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm painting, you know, some of the people in the crowd in the back, and I, and I did research and was like, you know, what, what kind of um, – what kind of baseball fan was sitting in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium in that in that era? And by that, you know, I mean kind of not only kind of like socioeconomic, but, you know, at that point, you know, ballparks were kind of – some of them were segregated. And it turns out that uh, I think – I don't remember exactly how this – played out because it's been a few years since I did the painting, but uh, Yankee Stadium was at some point, uh, I don't know if it was deemed segregated, but I think for the most part, I think a lot of African-American fans would sit in the bleachers, in the outfield. And so, you know, I kind of like tried to make sure that, that a lot of the fans that I painted uh, in that painting uh, were African-American. And it's just, I, you know, I, it was important for me to get a detail like that right because that was kind of, that was the tenant of the country. You know, that was the, that was the climate. And, and that's, that's kind of what the reality was, as, as, you know, sad and appalling as that is now. Um, that's what things were like. In 2012, you something kind of cool happened to you. The United States Postal Service issued a softbound book called Play Ball. Can you kind of talk about that? Uh, yeah, they basically they uh, the post office has kind of had a, a tradition with honoring uh, baseball players and, and the game uh, for uh, at least you know the past 20, 30 years. And they approached me, or I guess they approached my my agent, really. And uh, they, they, you know, were putting together this book that was a celebration of that, uh, which would include uh, all of the uh, uh, stamps that they had done over the past couple of uh, decades, the stamps that were baseball-themed. And they really seemed to dig my work, and they just kind of – they wanted to use it as, uh, I guess, a a means to telling their story and telling kind of the story of baseball to kind of, you know, augment the stamps that they included with the book. So the the book came out, and – I, it was weird because I could tell people, oh, well, you could go to the post office and you could get a book with my stuff in it, which is still, you know, thinking back on it is, is incredible. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I was honored to be kind of a part of that and honored to be recognized by, uh, by the uh, postal service and, and honored that they liked my work enough to include it in a, a project that was so big. Now, do you have a favorite baseball painting that you've done? I mean, you've done 
probably hundreds if not thousands of, of paintings. Do you have one that kind of sticks out to you that you're most proud of? Um, I, it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like picking a favorite child, which now that I have two children, I kind of know what that's like. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I lately, I, I've had a lot of affinity for a painting that I finished, uh, about, it's about a year and a half ago of, uh, it was a team painting of the, uh, the 1927 Yankees. That was just a okay. huge monumental undertaking. And I kind yeah. of, I, I think that one is, is one that really tugs on my heartstrings, uh, pretty, uh, pretty hard. <laughs> sure. Sure. Now, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, let's say somebody's listening to this interview and they go, "Wow, this guy sounds amazing. I want him to, I want him to paint, paint a uh, a player or an image from baseball for me." How do they do that? How do they get in contact uh, with you? Well, they basically what they could do is they can contact me through Twitter uh, or uh, Facebook or. Uh, Instagram and that that will actually put you in contact directly with me uh, because I I manage those accounts myself. Uh, My website is just a little bit different because that's mostly managed by my agent who is, you know, I guess a representative of me. So I guess you would still kind of be talking to me, but uh, you can reach me through any of those platforms and uh, if anyone was interested in, in commissioning something or or purchasing something or even just talking and, you know, uh, telling me a story or, or something like that, then they are certainly free to do so. And uh, I love hearing from everyone, even if it's someone to tell me that I did something wrong and they think that something is off. You know, I, I, I just I love hearing from people who are affected by my stuff in some way, even if it's in a not so positive way. Uh, thankfully those don't happen often, but <laughs> you never know. Cause sometimes they do. Absolutely. We've got about 10 minutes left. Can you, it seems like a lot of your paintings, which I personally love are, are vintage. A lot of them are like, I guess, pre 1960. Do you think it's just because baseball had more characters back then kind of more, more people that baseball could latch on to and baseball was just kind of a more popular game back then than it is now. Do you think that that's why kind of some of those images are, are and players kind of are more iconic than maybe some of the images today? Um, I, you know what? I think it's, I think it's because of a couple of reasons. I, I think that that's part of it. Uh, I, I also think that the way that, the way that you and I, kind of see baseball now is just it's just a very different we experience that sport in a very different way than say, our parents did um you know we we can we can watch a game in person we can watch a game on television we can watch a game on our phones on the computer on you know an ipad on <clears throat> many different many different ways and back then 
you know, basically you're going to the ballpark or you're listening on, on radio or you're watching it on television and you weren't seeing every play in 37,000 different angles. You know, you kind of have two or three main angles that, uh, that you're, that you're seeing action happen throughout a particular game. That is, you know, if you're watching it on television, you know, now Absolutely. you have, you know, instant replay and, you know, there, there are cameras in every part of the ballpark. And it's kind of like, I think, I think players and scenes and the game of that era, I think that there's a bit more mystery to it. Uh, in that there there are certain parts of it that are still kind of fuzzy in our minds um, because it was experienced in a different way. Uh, you're, you're exposed to these players in a different way. You're growing up and watching these players in a different way. And, you know, not necessarily a better way, but I, I think that in a way that makes them a bit more... Uh, you know, nothing but <laughs> references. But I realize I've been doing that. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think you know. I think a good example of the mystique and the aura that you were kind of talking about, or the mystery. I think a good example of that is the called shot from Babe Ruth in the thirty-two World Series. You know, he right. he said, you know, pe- people asked him if he actually did it. And he said, well, check the papers. It's in the papers, isn't it? Well, you right. know, and the the Cubs pitcher, Charlie Root, swore that he wouldn't have done it. And he basically said, if he had, I would have knocked him on his butt. So, right. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head there. There is kind of an aura of, you know, mystery and the people that were there got to experience that more. And I think there's something, I think that's kind of what makes that, those images special is that you didn't have, it wasn't being broadcast worldwide to 20 million people across the internet. It was the 40,000 fans in the stadium and then maybe people listening at home. Right. Right. Exactly. And can you imagine like, you know, we were talking about this before, but uh, you know, your, uh, your, uh, your favorite moment with the, with the puck at home. Uh, can you imagine experiencing that, you know, at a ballpark in say like the forties, I mean, you would have, you personally would have had to have been there for the most part, you know, you most likely wouldn't have seen it on television. And even at the ballpark, it probably just would have been this completely different thing because, uh, you know, you're just watching the game. You have no idea what's going on outside of the game. You know, you're not, uh, you're, you're, you're watching the game in a completely different way. The tension is mounting differently. It's just, it would have been a totally different experience. And it's just, it's amazing that, that time uh, really affects that stuff the way it does. Um, but yeah. Can you, like, can you imagine like if somebody uh, called their shot in a world series now, uh, you know, how, how ridiculously that would be covered on uh well, I was going to say ESPN, you know, that the next, you know, it would be instantly. You'd be hearing about it on Twitter. You'd be, you'd see right. photographs of it on Twitter. It's just, yeah, it's yeah such you would have such a weird time. Where people live tweeting about it. 
Yeah, exactly. You would have people live tweeting about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah, Greg, Greg, we've got about five minutes left. Um, can you just kind of talk to me a little bit about so one of the one of the piece some one of the things that I really love about your work, in addition to the many things, is that you paint all aspects of baseball. You don't just paint the major leagues. You you're pretty well known for your for your paintings of the Negro leagues as well. Can you talk about what it's like painting Negro league players? Uh yeah, I I love painting the Negro Leaguers. Uh it's 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 a totally challenge to paint some of those guys. Um and and that I mean that kind of in, in every way. Um mainly I think mainly it it's a joy to kind of do research and learn about these guys myself you know, people who I wouldn't have heard of uh, otherwise and, and try to kind of do a painting of them that is hopefully historically accurate and to kind of put it out there and have people, I guess, learn about these guys for the first time, kind of like in the same way that I am. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm, I'm, if you know if it, if it's a commission that I'm doing of, of a Negro leaguer, it's almost like I'm being paid to get an education, and uh, it's it's a lot harder to kind of do research for those guys and and those leagues because they just they weren't covered in the same way that the white leagues were covered, and uh, you have very few uh, surviving uh, newspapers that actually had coverage of the Negro Leagues because for the most part, the bigger newspapers, the New York Times, you know, the Daily News of the world, they didn't really cover uh, the Negro Leagues. So you had a lot of the the ballplayers, or I'm sorry, you had a lot of the, the newspapers that were focused just on kind of African-American issues that were, uh, that were following those clubs and, and doing stories on them and, and box scores and whatever. And unfortunately, you know, you can't go to a library and look up microfilm uh, on on those newspapers. They just don't exist. <laughs> so you have yeah. these, you know, disparate like hard pieces of information that you're just trying to put together in in every which way possible in order to come up with a painting that is somewhat historically accurate. Uh, and you kind of end up, or, or I end up, you know, guessing a lot of the time. And it's it's nerve wracking in that sense, but it's also incredibly, incredibly uh, fulfilling because you kind of feel like you're giving you're giving these players an opportunity to kind of be discovered. You know, people who have kind of been forgotten and forgotten for a reason that you know doesn't even go beyond the color of their skin. You know, it's just it's 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 a shame and it's a shame that that's how it is but um i'm i'm honored to be able to try and bring them back to light we got about 30 seconds left i'm going to give you the last 30 seconds to kind of promote anything that you're working on tell tell everybody listening what your facebook is your twitter your website anything you want to promote the last 90 seconds are yours 
Oh, sure. Thanks. Um, I guess rather than talking about anything uh, specific project wise, I can just say, you know, come check me out on, uh, uh, on Twitter. Um, you can, you know, find me at twitter.com uh, slash uh, Greg Kreinler, which is just, you know, my name, G R A I G K R E I N D L E R. Same go. GregKreinler.com. Uh, and same on Instagram, I guess, Instagram.com uh, backslash Greg Kreinler. Uh, you can find me. Uh, and you can check out what I'm doing and you can drop me an email. You can uh, tell me I, I stink or whatever you want. I'd, I'd love to hear from anyone who <laughs> wants to get in touch for any reason. <laughs> Greg, I cannot thank you enough for giving me 45 minutes out of your day uh, to, someone, to come on my podcast and, and talk about talk about your fantastic and amazing work. I wish you nothing but the best and uh I uh I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been my pleasure. No, it's been my pleasure too, Devlin. I, I appreciate it and I'm glad uh, glad we could finally hook up. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much. We'll be in touch in the near future. Take care. All right. Thanks, Evan. You too. Take care. You're welcome. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Greg Kreindler. He is a world-famous baseball artist. He has pictures up in the Yogi Berra Museum. He has, he is well-regarded and very renowned. Like he said, find him on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Greg Kreindler. That's G-R-A-I-G-K-R-E-I-N-D-L-E-R. That's all I've got for today and this week. We will, I will hopefully be posting more next week. I just want to say that make sure that you're spending time with those you love. If you're a parent, make sure you give your kids hugs and kisses and love because we never know how much time we have here on earth. And as my hero, as my baseball hero Kirby Puckett once said, we're not nobody's promised tomorrow. Nobody's guaranteed it tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I've got today, and we'll see you down on the road in podcast land. Thanks for joining me.